Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is uh, Jim Bazinski. Welcome to the latest edition of the Outsports Podcast. I am doing it solo today. Sid uh, smartly took some speaking engagement up in Central California. It's 101 degrees right now in Los Angeles. It's brutal, and it's probably 75 and breezy along the Central Coast, which is one of the nicest spots I've ever been at in the world. I've traveled a little bit. Um, It's just nice and cool and refreshing and it's a great drive. You ever get a chance to go up Highway 1 up uh, up the Central Coast? It's just gorgeous on the way to Monterey, Big Sur, Hearst Castle. Uh, but we're not talking travel today. We're going to be having actually a really good show. Uh, I can rip the New England Patriots for the next half hour because Sid can't do anything about it. But we're going to actually talk about Michael Sam. And we're have two guests. First is going to be Eric Lucian, former kicker at Nebraska, who was openly gay on the team 10 years ago and was a friend of Michael. And then a few minutes after that, Joining the two of us will be Jim Thomas, the beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We really want to talk about Michael Sam's chances of making the Rams. The Rams have a really strong defensive front, and there's been a lot of debate about whether or not he's a good fit or not with the Rams, so we're going to get into all that. And we'll take your calls if you want to call in. It's area 347-945-7834. I'm waiting for Eric to call in and get on the line. Uh, it was just a quite a weekend. Uh, Saturday was like really watching a live <laughs> sort of you know documentary unfolding before our eyes. We're wondering if, if Michael was going to be drafted or not. I mean, I picked the fifth round. Sid said third, fourth, and we both kind of were stunned as he kind of kept dropping and dropping and dropping. And we got down to the, the final eight picks and got a thought sense that he may not be drafted. And you know, you can see Michael was cut in uh, by the ESPN cameras. Seemed like he was a little bit mortified, obviously, by the whole thing. But then the Rams stepped in with a 249th pick and took Michael. And since then, it's just been an enormous story. Uh, Michael kissing his boyfriend Vito um, on national television was played everywhere. Actually, it was played internationally on ESPN. I was doing a show on the BBC, and the host was talking about how she was in that great British phrase she was gobsmacked to see two men two athletes and one athlete actually two athletes Vito's a swimmer kissing live on you know major sports network so it was unbelievable but I think we now have uh Eric uh with us hello is this Eric hi Jim Eric how are you I'm great how are you I'm doing great Eric you're kind of my co-host today oh and exciting <laughs> So um, I don't know if you heard any of the show yet, but we're talking about Michael Sam. We're going to have on Jim Thomas with the Post-Dispatch in about six minutes to talk a lot of football stuff, and I'd like to get your perspective on that. But um, Now, you were out at Nebraska about a decade ago, and your story was first told right around when Michael came out. And you become friends with Michael. Is that true? Yes, it is true. Can you tell us how you guys actually connected? Did he see your story, you see his? What What exactly happened? Well, initially I saw his story, and then um, from that people contacted me, and my story came out. And then it actually all happened sort of through Twitter. Like I just followed him and congratulated him on coming out and, you know, told him how proud of him I am. Um, and then he kind of 
you know, responded to me, thank you. And then from there, we started following each other, chatting up through Twitter. And then we exchanged phone numbers and just been, you know, keeping in touch since then. And he came and was in town in Chicago um, for an important interview a while back. And we um, went out on the town and had some fun. So, yeah, it's been been pretty neat. So what was it like for you to watch the draft on Saturday? I mean, you must have had butterflies in your stomach as he kept not being picked. Oh yeah, I was I was a big ball of anxiety, I guess you could say. Um so much so that like I was getting frustrated, you know, during the fifth round because I was thinking, gosh, you know, he's an incredible talent, you know, SEC defensive player of the year. He deserves to go in the fifth round at least, I was thinking. And at, at the end of the fifth round he wasn't drafted, so I was like, oh, crap. I'm like, I don't know if I can watch this. So I actually went to the gym and quickly told them, hey, please turn on the TV to the draft. And I sat there and watched it the entire time up until about um, pick 245. And then I, I left because I was just getting so frustrated. I'm like, why is he not getting drafted? What's wrong, you know, with the, you know, the teams and the NFL? And um, then as I was walking home, I was checking Twitter and I saw Wade Davis had posted something, oh, he got picked, at, uh, you know, 249th pick, and I was just elated. I mean, I my first response was kind of, why the hell did it take so long? And then after that, it just quickly turned to just overwhelmingly happy for him. And then shortly after that, I saw his um, initial response um, live on ESPN, and that, I mean, Another another word, like I said uh, again, was delayed. That's all I that's all I was feeling. I was so happy. I was so overwhelmed with joy that I, had, you know, I was starting to shed some tears. I just couldn't stop smiling. I had goosebumps. It was it was a very great day for the NFL and for LGBTs everywhere, and for Michael, of course. Have you heard from him since? Um, I actually talked to him later that day. I, I wanted to give him some time to you know get through the media and family and some of his other friends and and i you know started texting him back and forth just telling him you know again congratulations and how proud i am and um kind of we discussed briefly about you know it would be cool if i could join them in vegas um for the celebration but you know i'm <laughs> in chicago it wouldn't happen but and then we talked a couple times this week already about you know how he's um, acclimating down in st louis and how his team's responding to him and I mean, he loves it there, and he's he's very excited, and he's very determined to you know prove himself. So, it's it's all been good for him so far. Well, you, you said you were surprised he dropped. Do you think the fact that he was openly gay stopped some teams from, for whatever reason, drafting him? That's that's my sense of it. That he would have went sooner if it had not been public. Yeah, I, I do think it um, probably scared off some of them. I think it was not. Um, I think it was more for what comes with him being openly gay, you know, the added press and the stuff that may take um, other players, like viewpoints, away from, you know, their focus on football. And I think that's what m- might have scared away some of the other teams from drafting him higher. I honestly think the Rams got a steal of a deal, you know, in the seventh, late seventh round. I mean, I mean, Coach Fisher even said himself that, his value as a football player was off the charts for a seventh-round pick. So I think they got lucky. Now, um, Michael obviously has a lot of work to do. Um, and do you sense that he is totally focused on football, on making the team, and not on being in some whatever, whatever term, a celebrity for being the first openly gay player? 
Oh, I totally think he's he's focused 100% on football. I mean, I I have since in the last day, you know, since his um, the news of Oprah Oprah's network, you know, um, signing Michael on for a docu series. I've since been getting contacts from some of my friends and other media outlets. You know, my point on you know that whole thing and is it going to take his focus away from football? And you know, I told him you know my discussions with Michael, he's first and foremost you know, wants to make the team, and he's determined to make the team. And, you know, I have all the confidence, he has all the confidence in himself that he will make this team. And I think, you know, before the draft, he's been turning down hundreds of media outlets, including, you know, Ellen and Snight Show, um, just so he could focus on football. And he's kind of doing that now, I mean, besides the the docuseries, but also with the docuseries, um, he's going to have access to the Rams facility facilities or the training camp so another you know i guess proof that michael wants to first and foremost make the team and he's determined to and so yeah i think michael's very happy to be um i guess at the forefront of equality in sport and being that leader he's proud to be a role model for people and he hopes to that his story inspires others to live openly and honestly but um, his first priority is football, making the team, helping him win championships, and that's what he's going to do. Um, how do you, how important is it, do you think, for, I guess, gay rights, for him to make the team? I mean, has he accomplished enough already that if something happens and he's not on a roster, he's already accomplished a lot, or do you think he has to make the team for it to be a more lasting legacy? I personally feel that he doesn't have to make the team for it to be a lasting legacy. I mean, he's already, like you said, he's done so much already. He's proven himself. He proved himself in college. He's, you know, proven himself since. And I I personally don't feel that he needs to make the roster for him, his name to live on. Um, but I, oh, I, do me, think, Eric, I think we have Jim Thomas calling in from the post-dispatch. Okay. So dive in with questions. All right. Hi, is this uh, Jim Thomas? Uh, yes, it is. How you doing? Hey, Jim. It's Jim Bazinski from Outsports. And with Eric Lucian, uh, you probably don't know him. He's a former kicker at the University of Nebraska who was openly gay with the Cornhuskers a decade ago um, and has become good friends with Michael. So we were talking about Michael's legacy and stuff. And uh, it's kind of a boring week at Rampart for you, wasn't it? You kind of falling asleep all week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, 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 we certainly got a jolt. Usually that seventh round, it's, it's – uh, even for someone like myself who, who've been in the football uh, reporting business for a while, they're drafting players that you haven't heard of, you know, and you're trying to scramble for information, uh, who is this guy. But, uh, yeah, ever since that uh, call at number uh, 249, and I have to tell you, the uh, that press conference Tuesday, those of us have, that have been around here for a while, and, and I've covered the Rams since they, the franchise moved to St. Louis in 95, I, I think it was the – the, the biggest press conference in terms of attendance-wise, any of us could recall, since maybe right before the Rams' 2003 playoff game and that, that dramatic double overtime loss to uh, Carolina in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, and, and that's even including about three hirings of head coaches, which usually draw a huge crowd. So, yeah, it was uh, been quite a week after, that's for sure. What was it like Saturday? How um, Did you have any inkling other than maybe getting it a couple minutes ahead of time? Because I know on TV they were tending to delay the picks, and yet if you were on Twitter you would see which team picked. 
Um, where were you when the pick was made? Well, I'm uh, as I am right now. I'm down in the uh, the media room here at uh, at Rams Park. They have a workroom, excuse me, on the first floor, and then all the coaches' offices and uh, uh, the the non football people, the marketing and salespeople and whatnot, they're all on the second floor. This is the draft room, and so we're in here. We're we're working on uh, uh, you know stories and and uh, you know after each draft pick, uh, they get them on the conference call and so on and so forth. So I was down here. And, uh, you know, Mike Silver of the NFL Network uh, was up uh, on the second floor, had had access to the draft room, and he sent out a couple of hints, like, you know, uh, uh, I think at one point he said the Rams uh, could make history or whatever. This is just a few minutes before. So right away we knew it had to be Michael Sam. I don't know what else. Near the end of the seventh round you could do to make history, you know, except maybe let a fan make the pick or something for you. And so right then we knew – yeah, they were, you know, and uh, the information was getting out uh, more quickly. And then the other thing, you know, obviously we have the TV on here watching uh, uh, the uh, the NFL Network or ESPN, depending on. But they, when they walk up and had someone announce the pick, you knew for sure that was it because in the seventh round, they don't have anybody announce the pick. It just comes over the or what have you. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was it was it was pretty amazing. That's for sure. Well, I noticed that I was watching it, you know, and in like the fifth round, whatever, whenever uh, Andy Murray got drafted, or is Andy um, the guy from Georgia? Is it Andy Murray? Yeah, Aaron Murray. Yeah, the quarterback. Aaron Murray. Georgia, I forget the right. tennis player. Yeah. Stupid. Well, anyway, so I saw Jim. They, you know, said, "Now we'll go to the podium." I thought, "Was oh, this Michael Sam?" Because you knew they weren't going to show the guy, the VP of football operations, just to announce some guard. And then it was Aaron Murray. And the next time I did it, it was A.J. McCarron. I kept watching, oh, it's going to be Michael Sam. I'm like, oh, it's Aaron Murray. It's A.J. McCarron. So I think that Kensel stepping onto that podium was, was a tip-off. But since that happened, um, what is what has the reaction been in St. Louis itself? Has it been mostly positive? Have there been any negatives about it? Or what's the feeling been? Well, you 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 get a few uh, you get a few emails from fans asking uh, like requesting you to uh, why, why don't you write about football? Why are you writing about this? But really, very few uh, in in terms of that. You have to uh, keep in mind that uh, we're only where I'm sitting now is maybe a hundred miles from Columbia, Missouri, uh, where the Missouri Tigers play. The response there was so overwhelming and heartfelt, and I, and I really believe sincere. And so we're not that far away. There's a lot of people here that really uh, love Mizzou sports and 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 and, and really uh, uh, admire, you know, what Michael Sam did. So uh, uh, you know, in 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 coming out and becoming the, the first openly gay uh, NFL player uh, or at least NFL player to get uh, to get drafted. So no, I think the response has been uh, has been uh, pretty good here in uh, in St. Louis. Eric, do you have any questions? I have some football questions. Anybody want to ask Jim right now? Uh, not, not that I can think of. I think you pretty much covered it. I was really interested in what the response was in St. Louis, and he definitely answered that. And you can see, obviously, nationwide too, Eric, just the fact that, you know, he's number two in jersey sales, and I'm sure a lot of them are being sold here in uh, in St. Louis. And I guess Johnny Manziel, since he won on day one, probably had a, you know, 48-hour yeah, yeah, head day, start on the yeah, sales. Yeah, two-day head start on him. I thought that was fascinating too. And I, I was actually predicting that by the end of this week, Maybe Michael Jersey will surpass Johnny's, but I guess we'll we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, and now what was it as of, yes, yeah, as of yesterday, he has a Jersey number. There were there were just uh, 
There were just our, I, I guess uh, the ones online. It just said number ten because he was the uh, yeah. he was the tenth player chosen by the Rams. But now that he's number ninety six, they've yeah. got a jersey they can identify with. Well, I'm just glad that number wasn't reversed. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. That would have not been good for Michael. <laughs> it would have been a great. It would have been a great story, but they're not. Yeah. So um, about uh, Jim, another question about the it came out yesterday about the Oprah documentary slash reality show. Has there been any negative buzz about that on comment sections on gay and straight sites? I'm seeing people thinking they're not sure if it's a good idea. Eric and I talked about it at the beginning. What has been? There's been any discussion about it at at Rams Park? Uh, yeah, yeah, there there has, and it's, it's really quiet out here today in terms of uh, uh, media day. But uh, you know, I, I would say definitely a, a mixed reaction, and just uh, you know, I, I as most uh, football writers, I I follow a bunch of uh, writers, agents, teams, and whatnot on and players, you know, on on Twitter, and uh, you know, there have been some national names that have that have uh, wondered uh, about this. National names meaning uh, uh, in the uh, in the media business, just the fact that uh, you know AJ McCarron was uh, was uh, criticized. I guess he and his his, his wife or his fiance are are having some kind of a reality show and uh, and uh, wondering why anybody wasn't uh, criticizing uh, Michael Sam uh, for this. And and you know to be honest, Michael has said many times. You know I was at the talked to him at the Senior Bowl, and obviously that was before. Uh, you know, he came out, but also talked to him in that massive crowd that was the uh, the NFL scouting combine, and also here at the press conference. And and uh, you know, he said on many occasions he he just wants to wants it to be about football. And so some people have wondered, well, if it's you just want it to be about football, why are you doing this? Uh, 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 this uh, uh, I guess it's really a docu series, I guess, or documentary yeah. series, like six to eight shows. But the way I understand it. Uh, the uh, uh, really there, there aren't going to be any cameras like in the locker room or, or much at Rams Park. Most of it, I guess, is going to be taken away from the facility when uh, uh, <laughs> excuse me when the Rams players have uh, uh, a day off. And, and in season, it's uh, it's Tuesday. You know, and almost every uh, week the day off is uh, is Tuesday. So it would just be done at its own time and, and away from the. Uh, Away from the uh, facility, but yeah, there, there has been—I don't know if you call it a backlash—but there has been a little bit of criticism. I saw, just saw recently, right before I came on your podcast, that Rosina Anderson of uh, of ESPN uh, quoting an anonymous uh, player saying he he was just wondering about if if the Sam uh, 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 documentary series would be a distraction to a team. But uh, you know, I I wouldn't think that this player would know that apparently nothing is going to be shot here on campus, so to speak. Well, yeah, what about our Knox? Thing? Um, that, go ahead, Eric. Go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. I was just going to say it's interesting you, you um, say that because I have actually talked to former Husker football players, you know, teammates of mine, as well as other um, gay friends of mine about this, and they're all saying, or a lot of them have said, well, Michael Sam should stop saying it's all about football when it clearly isn't. And, you know, I keep coming back saying, you know, with my discussions with Michael, he says it's first and foremost about football. And really the reason why he's, you know, doing this Oprah docuseries is because it's another way to reach more people and to, you know, inspire young kids to, you know, be true to themselves, live openly and honestly, and, you know, pursue their dreams. So um, that's what I always tell them. So I think Michael is still going to be focused on football. I don't think that's going to be an issue. And like you said, 
they won't have access to the ranch facilities or the training camp, so it'll be taped off. Yeah, so in, in my in sense, sense of it, it, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, my sense of it, in the end of the day, it's 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 going to be up to Michael to determine if it's about football or not. I mean, if he lets True. this show get in the way of him making the team, then he has nobody to blame of himself because the Rams are not pushing this. Nobody else is pushing this. So I think he's going in, and I would hope he's going in with a clear head and knowing the boundaries because, you know, that stuff can be distracting, but only if he lets it be distracting. Well, like he no, said in his press conference, you know, when he was introduced by the Rams, and we had talked about not not the docu series, but they you know asked him about you know him being gay and all this and that, and he had said you know well thank you for making it a big deal even though my Mizzou team in college did not make it a big deal he said because that has pushed me to work even harder and I honestly think that this docu series is another way that it's going to push him even harder because he has you know he's going to be even more so in the public eye and the pressure is just amped up that higher that much higher so I think it's going to push him even more. You know, so I think in the end it's going to be a positive thing. Yeah, and, and you, you've got to understand there's a big difference between <clears throat> taping or shooting something like this, uh, again, off campus, uh, uh, than, you know, having cameras in the locker room, say, during the open locker period, locker room period, which is uh, uh, about three days a week, usually Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for the media, and you go and you talk to the players for stories, ask them about that week's game and everything, and, you know, I could see. You know, there 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 are some big egos among the players in the business. If you're a, you know, if you're a first round draft pick, or if you're one of the stars of the team, not 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 like the Rams have had a bunch of stars lately. You know, their their record hasn't been very good for a while. You know, but but still, you know, and and if you have this whole camera crew following you all around in in the uh, in the locker room or in the in the the, uh, the dining area or whatever, and that's not going to happen. So, w- with that being known, it, you know, it's you know, I, I don't really think it's a, uh, a a big deal, and I think once the players know that, uh, uh, you know, I, I would think if any are concerned about it, it, it shouldn't be a big deal. But, yeah, when you're a seventh-round draft pick, I mean, you, you can't take anything for granted. It has to be all about football uh, because, uh, you know, you're uh, you, uh, you're not necessarily guaranteed a spot on the roster. And as we all know, it's, been, it's pretty clear anyone that knows anything about the Ram or Rams or follows football that's the one area that's the strength of their team. They have a lot of really talented players on the, the defensive line. So it wasn't, and, and Jeff yeah. Fisher mentioned this at the press conference Tuesday, you know, it wasn't really a position of need, but when you're going through, you have all these players graded, when you're going through the draft, you see it's the seventh round, you see Michael Sam's name on there, and they, they had a higher grade than seventh round on him. It's like, we've got to take this guy. You know, you're, you're always trying to uh, improve the team. You can't foretell the future. You could have a rash of injuries at that position or whatever. And uh, so, uh, uh, it's still though, it's it's not going to be easy for him to make the team. And and you would hope that you know a lot of the focus is on football. And I tell you what, uh, you know what I've covered this team like I said for 20 years. We have conference calls all the time, not just with like say Rams draft picks, but certain players might sign in free agency or. Uh, the opposing team when you're in the regular season, you always get a uh, uh, opposing player on the uh, on the conference call that week. I've never heard a conference call like that. He, I mean, he, they, I think the emotion that he showed right when he found out that he'd been drafted by the Rams, it's it just still there, and it it, it kind of transformed a little bit into energy. And uh, just talking to him, he seemed so determined. It seemed like he was ready to jump through the phone and sack a couple quarterbacks right uh-huh. there. So I, I think all of this will help uh, – 
will help fuel him, you know. And and anybody that watches him play, in in certain ways, he's not the most athletic defensive end, but you watch him play and you see passion, you see heart, and you, you see someone that just doesn't stop out there. And everybody in the league that, that I've that I've talked to about him dating back to the senior bowl, they see that on tape and I think those qualities will, will serve him well in the upcoming weeks and months. Well question on that, you in, in a Q and A on the St. Louis Post Dispatch uh website you were asked uh, odds of Sam making the team and odds of the Rams of a thousand yard receiver. And I think you put the thousand yard receiver at thirty five percent, but you put the odds of Michael making the team at sixty percent, which is better than average. What is that all based on? Could you give can you people listening in who don't really know about the Rams defensive line and and how they work it exactly what he's getting into with this? First off, the the the, the fans they always want a percentage and. Uh, okay, as a beat writer, you're around the team. Maybe you see and hear things, and, and you just have insight that, uh, that maybe they don't have. So they always want percentages. So I say, what the hell, I'm, I'll give them a percentage. But the Rams' defensive line, uh, last two years in a row, they've had over 50 sacks as a team. I think they tied for first in sacks uh, in uh, 2012, and they were like second or third this year. So they have one of the best pass rushes in the league. Robert Quinn was a... Uh, uh, a pro bowler. He was named the NFL's uh, Defensive uh, Player of the Year by the Pro Football Writers Association. He had, uh, I believe, 19 quarterback sacks. Really, Any, anything over 10 is good. You get to 15, you're special. You get to 19, you're, you're getting close to like record-setting uh, territory. So they have him on one side at end. They have Chris Long on the other side. The other end, Chris Long, a number two overall pick. I believe it was 2008. And he, yeah, you're uh, correct. Yeah, in the last four years, only five players in the entire NFL have more sacks than him. So you've got those two guys as bookends. You've got uh, at tackle, you've got uh, Michael Brockers, who's a first-round pick. We mentioned Chris Long was a first-round pick. Uh, Robert Quinn was a first-round pick. You drafted Aaron Donald, the defensive tackle from uh, University of Pittsburgh, this year in the first round. He's a first-round pick. They have just tons of talent there. And uh, uh, Jeff Fisher... Normally, you'll keep when you when you come out of the uh, training camp and you get to the 53-man roster. You, most teams will keep four defensive ends and four defensive tackles, and and really those eight spots, unless somebody gets injured or, or you know uh, uh, gets caught robbing a, a quick shop or something, those eight spots are pretty much settled. I've mentioned all the other players, but one of the other starting defensive tackles is Kendall Langford. Uh, he's a, uh, about a five and a half. Uh, uh, million dollar a year free agent who's pretty good, you know, at defensive tackle. Then you have two backups at end, Eugene Sims, uh, who, who just uh, uh, re-upped, uh, had a contract extension before the start of this past season. And William Hayes is another backup defensive end, and, and he's one of the best. I, I call him third end, kind of first end off the bench in the league. I mean, he does a he does a great job. And then the Rams also signed a fellow on a one year deal from Buffalo named Alex Carrington who's a tackle, but the Rams are very, very high on him. So I believe you add all that up, you've got eight names. And so if they keep eight, if they keep just eight, Michael Sam is going to have to, you know, crack one of those eight. If they if they keep nine, and Jeff Fisher, he loves defensive linemen, he loves defensive ends, especially defensive ends who can pass, pass rush like Michael Sam can. And so he has kept nine so for the most part. So that's why I said 60-40 because – I, I think Fisher will keep nine 
And at the end of the day, I mean, and, and again, if, if Michael Sam doesn't show much in camp or in preseason, maybe different. But I think at the end of the day, they'll keep nine, five defensive ends, four tackles, and and I think Michael will get one of those one of those spots. Yeah, I was actually uh, reading that last year alone, the the Rams carried five um, defensive ends in fourteen of the sixteen games last season. So, I mean, I think Mike can at least crack that that fifth position. Um, it's going to be very difficult again, like you were saying, to crack the, the other four, considering they're all you know they are uh, first round draft picks and they're you know incredible at their position. But and I also, I mean, I've heard Jeff Fisher discuss. Um, using Michael in special teams. So, I don't know. I, what's your take on that? You know, Michael maybe, you know, doing something on special teams or something like that. Well, especially if you're a backup, it's a bonus. If you the more you can do uh, 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 saying if he can help on special teams and they want him to be a situational uh, pass rusher, designated pass rusher DPR, as uh, general manager uh, Les Neath said, That'll help them get on the field and, and make the game day roster. You have to keep in mind, it, it's a bizarre rule. I, I, I don't really know the sense of it, but uh, 53 guys make the regular season roster, but only 46 get to dress on game day. The, the rest are declared inactive. So if you can pass rush and help on special teams, you have a better chance of being on the game day roster and being out there and, and seeing the field and, and, uh, and, and playing games. Now, they, they, they've also talked about, too, the Rams traditionally have been a 4-3 defense, four defensive linemen and three linebackers. But Les Need mentioned the, the other day, I think it was on ESPN for the NFL Network, that they already are thinking of maybe some 3-4 packages where uh, Michael Sam could be used as an outside linebacker, as a rush linebacker. So they're already thinking of ways to get him on the field. Interesting. Well, it brings up a question, Jim, um, and Sid Ziegler, who's the other half about sports, not on not on the show today, his theory was whoever drafted Michael kind of figured that was one of their 53 spots because of the dangers of cutting a gay person. Um, I disagree. Do you think the Rams would have any compunction of cutting Michael if they simply thought he didn't make it? I don't think so. I really believe drafting him was 98% about football. Uh, of course, the, the Rams had an eye on history and a sense of history. Mm-hmm. But, uh, again, uh, the way it went about, they with each pick or if they have a group of picks, they, they'll restack their board and they'll put the highest, they'll just put the little placard and move it up. Okay, here are the three guys we're considering for this spot. And that, that's all they did. I mean, that, that's how the draft room knew that, hey, something might be uh, – something might be up. And I, I think if he stinks in training camp or the preseason, I, I think they'll cut him. I, I really do. Now, the thing being, I don't think he's going to stink or, or be bad in, in training camp or, or the preseason. But, uh, uh, you know, again, if, uh, if for some reason they decide to keep just eight defensive linemen, maybe it'll be tougher. But uh, you've got to factor in a lot of things. And also, you know, there, there's always players getting injured in camp, things yep. that happen that you don't, you don't expect. Just the other day, uh, they had a wide receiver suspended uh, four games for for uh, performance enhancing drugs. So these, these things happen all the time, and 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 who knows what the roster will look like once we get to that you know that second, third, fourth preseason game. Yeah, I think a lot of ways we're getting ahead of ourselves that he still has to stay injury free. I mean that's that's a thing no one really talks about, but players get hurt all the time, and you, you sort of hope that that's not the case. Um, but so you think the Rams are. They're confident enough that if they had to release him for football reasons, they would not. They would not hesitate to do that if they didn't think he could help the Rams this year. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't think they would cut him though. It would be because it's a distraction or whatever. I think the the Rams have handled this beautifully so far, and uh, I, I think they're going to make sure that he doesn't get overwhelmed with uh, media requests. They're going to limit it. He, they have the, the, the really the next step. The rookies are in, and and uh, uh, they're working out. But the kind of the next public window, so to speak begins in June. Uh, they're called the OTAs, Organized uh, Team Activity, and basically it's practice. It's spring practice. And uh, they're only going to have one or two availabilities for, for Michael during that three-week period, and I think they're expecting probably a, a spike in, in attention once, when, you know, once maybe once training camp starts and if he makes the club the, the first uh, regular season game. But uh, I think they believe, and maybe it won't, that it'll just all settle in and truly be about football once they we get a, a couple of weeks into the regular season you know fellas i gotta ask you remember it it was it was such a great national story after uh, michael came out and obviously the combine was uh was uh i mean I, i've never i've covered like 22 or 23 combines i've never seen a crowd like that uh for any player uh even this year johnny manzel was like 1a you know he was not the <laughs> top story at the combine but really after that it really died down you know, there was just a little blip at uh, Michael's Pro Day, but that was it. And I, I think, again, maybe I'm wrong. I, I think uh, eventually it'll 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 calm down. Well, you're absolutely right. That happened with Jason Collins. He got signed, and it was a huge story. Even though he got signed to a 10-day contract, the first few games they had, you know, press conferences in each city, and then at a certain point, people just stopped writing about him as the gay player, and they wrote about what he did with the Nets and. I think the same thing with Michael, and we've seen on our outsports traffic, it was huge when he came out. But the week before the draft, Sid and I were talking about how no one's reading our Michael Sam stuff. People were just like, yeah. it wasn't a constant fascination because at the end of the day, there's nothing, and I mean this in a good way, there's nothing about Michael other than he has a different sexual orientation. He's not been accused of a crime. He's not involved in some controversy or some scandal. So there's no legs to it other than, oh, he's a gay guy who happens to play football. I think once the regular season starts, if he's on the team, that first game will be big. And then I think people at a certain point just accept him as a member of the Rams and the fans will cheer him or boo him depending on how he's doing as a player. Because I do think this will get normalized pretty quickly is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I, no, I, I, agree. I really think so. Yeah, I think, I, think um, I guess America is getting desensitized to the idea of, you know, an openly gay professional athlete. You know, like you were saying with Jason Collins and now with Michael Sam. And then, you know, going just like to, to college, for example, you know, Derek Gordon. His story came out and it made, you know, national news, got a lot of media attention, and that quickly died. And as you, I'm sure, see all the time, Jim, with, you know, the stories of um, more and more college athletes coming out on, you know, your website, um, those stories are getting, it seems to be, or to me anyway, that they're getting less and less popular because people are getting desensitized to it and they're like, you know they're they're very proud of those those people coming out, but at the same time they're they're, they're getting desensitized and normalized, and it's just kind of like well, unless they're shirtless swimmers, are... they're shirtless swimmers, Eric. They're shirtless swimmers. They they're, they're never any more popular. So <laughs> we need more professional swimming or something, and that would get the the page counts up. Um, well, but yeah. Jim, you know, gotta, I, one, one thing this, I wanted but, to add there is I really sure. think the youth the youth of America uh, and one of the best things about it, and I'm just saying in general, I'm not saying the entire country, but it mm-hmm. seems like they don't really care that much someone's sexual orientation. I, I think uh, uh, they're they're more colorblind too, as well. And uh, you know, and, and and maybe as each generation goes on, it'll be more and more like that. And uh, 
But and, and as Les Need pointed out, as you guys probably are aware, the Rams were the first team in professional sports, even before yes. Jackie Robinson, to hire a, a, a or sign an African American player it was Kenny Washington out of uh, uh, UCLA. And now that piece of history, dramatic history, is uh, uh, is almost a footnote. You know, everybody knows about Jackie Robinson, and Les Need made an interesting point. He hopes at some point down the road. In, in large part because Michael Sam got the ball rolling here, you know, uh, that it won't be a big deal and, and maybe Michael Sam will, will just be, not that we want to forget about him, but, you know, will just be kind of a footnote in history. Yeah, I actually in a good way. That, you know, if, yeah, in a good way. That's what I was going to say. If he becomes a footnote, that's a very positive thing. That means, you know, our country and society has progressed to that. We no longer see someone um, and judge them by their sexual orientation and, we look at them for other aspects like their character and their abilities, like Michael's ability, you know, to play the game of football. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's no doubt. And, uh, uh, and as you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, once we get into the games, if he misses a tackle or, or gets a sack, that's, that's, that's what uh, people will be talking uh, uh, about when, about Michael Sam. And that'll be the accomplishment when he gets booed for screwing up, and then people know there's nothing special. <laughs> or he gets, about it. you know, he he gets called for a penalty or something like that at a key moment. Yeah, yeah. then then you know, okay, it's all about football. Yeah. That's well, Jim, we got to let you go here, um, Eric. We, we're almost out of time, Eric. You stay, but Jim, uh, we're going to okay. revisit you back uh, when we hit training camp. We were great to uh, talk to. We'd like to kind of keep keep on top of this, so we'd love to have you back. But thanks so much for joining us. You bet. I enjoyed it. I look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, Eric, Jim was was wonderful, very insightful about the whole Michael Sam thing, and I think he has a really, I think, solid perspective on this, uh, that it's a football set. Right now it's about football going forward. Yeah, true. I mean, he's, like like you were saying, he he knows his stuff when it comes to um, St. Louis Rams football, so... Yeah, he had a very good perspective. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to have him on because I thought you wanted someone who really knows the roster top to bottom and could sort of get those little nuances that they normally keep eight, but if Fisher keeps nine, that's why he thinks Sam has a better than even chance. So uh, I think it's going to be fascinating going forward. And I, I'm, uh, you know, and I think I'm, people are going to be excited. I think it's going to kind of die down until maybe you know the, the, the little training camp start, but I think it's going to pick up again. Are you going to? Sid and I plan on being uh, the opener in St. Louis, Minnesota. If somebody makes a team, are you going to be going? I'm I'm going to try my best. It all depends, you know. Like you know, as you know, I'm trying to finish the PhD at the same time <laughs> as you know all this sort of stuff is happening with you know my story and Michael Sam and all this. But yeah, that's my plan is to go to the game. I've talked to Michael about it and everything, and you know he's excited to to have me down there and you know just to be able to to be there and support him. So I definitely want to be there. Well, good. Hopefully we'll all be together. Uh, I think it's September the 8th maybe is the opening day of the – I think it's the 8th, the 7th or 8th of September. If if Michael makes the Rams, they play at home against the Minnesota Vikings the first Sunday. So uh, hopefully we'll all be in attendance. Yeah, definitely. Well, Eric, thank you so much for being on today. You were a great co-host. I think you've knocked Sid off the, uh, the hosting chair. He's going to have to fight to get back. <laughs> Oh, good. I mean, since a high, you know, he's high on the totem pole. It's hard to push him down. So exactly, shove him off. <laughs> well, Eric, I know we'll have you well, back again, and uh, thanks so much for doing this. Oh, you're you're welcome. It was great. I've 
a blast talking with you guys. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. Now I'm going to finish up here because I'm running out of time. Um, Sid will be back next week. Uh, I think the Michael Sam story has is going to kind of go in a little bit of a hibernation until he actually, you know, gets on the field in, in mini camp and then a training camp. But it's been quite a week that uh, to see. I think the kiss with Michael on ESPN was, in my mind, the sports moment of the year just for the fact that it was shown live on international television. So that was just a pretty amazing week, and I know I'll have more to talk about, but that's pretty much all the time we have now. Um, if I can get this bumper music working properly, um, I'll say bid you adieu. So this is Jim Bazinski with Sports. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>